The Athletic. Totally Football Show. Today, match day three of the Premier League, and we're talking midsummer murders, James Tarkovsky's pep talks, Everton shooting, Chelsea looting, teams going down like they got a plane ticket from Vladimir Putin, plus Home Alone, the sequel, Brian Dean, and commentary lines that can come in and do a job Monday to Friday. It's all coming up in this Totally Football Show. Boom, listener, thank you so much for joining us on the Totally Football Show today, which for us is 24th of August. I hope it's uh, a good one wherever you are as we bring you the sweet sounds of Duncan Alexander. Hello, James. Charlie Eccleshare. Hello, James. And Kiva O'Neill. Hi. Hi, Kiva. Nice to see you. Nice to see you too. Good. And it's nice to see you boys as well. Thank you. That sounds weird now. <laughs> you boys. <laughs> you boys. <laughs> Duncan in your fake retro T-shirt. Yeah. Yeah, that's all. Mm. Uh, Charlie, you just mentioned uh, marginal gains. Mm. A term, I think, coined by Sir Dave Brailsford, no, from the world of cycling. It was a Team Sky. Yeah. Because one thing I was curious about was um, sporting, or pieces of commentary or sporting phrases that you have kind of borrowed for day-to-day conversation. I know this is very mm. much the kind of thing mm. you've probably already done on football yeah. cliches. Have you done it? Uh, probably some variant of Have you? We, uh, do you have one? Well, ones that I use in, in yeah. common parlance. Perhaps semi-ironically, but yeah. you still hate yourself for it. Yeah, they are semi-ironically. I would say like childcare and supporting a football team, there's a lot of overlap. What do you use for so that? So I will jokingly say to my wife when things like trust the process... <laughs> <laughs> and she's sort of in on it. And also what I use for that, yes. uh, I use Trust the Process on reverse parallel parking. Because I still, when I parallel park, yeah. remember what I was taught whilst learning to drive. What were you taught? And it does work. It's quite hard to describe. You basically, <laughs> you wheel it once, but not the whole way as you're coming right. in. Once the wing mirror of your car is aligned with the car's side back wheel, mm. then you go in. And right. it looks like you're going to, the reason you have to trust the process is trust it doesn't feel quite right. Yeah. Then as you're sort of covering it, you go all the way the other way. And right. it really does work. You'd so. be a great driving instructor. Thanks very much. Like, I know how to do that now. Yeah. Try, try it at home. Try that. Perhaps you're trying that right now, listener. <laughs> I find I say 100% a lot. 110 for me. Is it 110? Yeah, only 115 if I really want some effort. Right. But, um, I mean, I, I use we go again quite a lot. Yeah. completely out yeah. of context. And I also... We'll use the footballer them quite a lot. So yeah. if one of my children's not finished their, di- their dinner, I'd say, you're going to finish them being, <laughs> which really annoys my wife. Is that oh, a football thing or is that perhaps an appellation? Mm, uh, well, it's a beans. kind of Glenn Hoddle-ish. Yeah, we've, talk, we've actually yeah. talked about this before mm. on, on this book. Well, yeah, one that I taught, oh, I taught, that sounds uh, a bit didactic, but one that I gave... You're being a mentor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I put my arm around my wife's shoulder and uh, I have introduced that like, in a good moment. She will now use that sort of non-ironically. Often again about if one of our sons sleeping well or something, be like, he's, he's in a good moment. In a good moment? Yeah. Okay. In and around, surely we've all said that. Well, I was just thinking then, I always say all the best, but everyone says that. Like, what, all the best? Yeah, it's not a... Feel that's a... <laughs> yeah, so, so this is also... Steven Gerrard's last words when he just finished his last game and he just oh. went, all the best. So when I say it, oh, right. that's what I think of. Right. But that is so intricate that people wouldn't even know that's a football no. thing. Last words were very... The, the best one to do is the Alex Ferguson. It's your job now to get behind and then whatever you want to, you know, get behind the new milkman or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, thank you for indulging me on that. Oh, yeah, there's some games coming up this weekend. Let's have a uh, quick check on what they might be. Friday, Chelsea take on Luton. You're heading along to that, Kiva. Yeah, very excited. Stamford Bridge. Yeah. Luton have had 13 days to prepare for this. So oh, yeah, nice. That's been a nice little break for them. Okay. Saturday, early doors. There you go. Uh, Bournemouth Spurs. Uh, and you'll be heading to that one, Charlie. Yeah, it's my first, first, first trip first to the Vitality Stadium. Yeah. Not yeah. my first trip to Bournemouth. I have been to Sandbanks once before. Okay. Home of Harry Redknapp, of course. Brentford Palace happens in the afternoon, as does Arsenal-Fulham. Man United, Nottingham Forest also scheduled to occur. Uh, Everton take on Wolves and at 5.30 up Brighton against West Ham. On Sunday, it's Sheffield United against Man City and Burnley-Aston Villa at 2. And then Newcastle-Liverpool. 
at the 4.30 kickoff. What are you What are you most looking forward to? The games that are televised, five of them, is the Chelsea Luton on Friday, Bournemouth Spurs early Saturday, Brighton West Ham tea time Saturday, and then Sheffield United Man City early, and, and Newcastle Liverpool. Uh, yeah, which if you were going to watch one game this weekend. What would, what would you pick? I would go Newcastle-Liverpool. Would you? That feels like the standout uh, mm. game, both uh, for where the, those teams are now, but it's also a traditional kind of Premier League. Uh, I say heavy, maybe not heavyweight, because Newcastle haven't always been there, but heritage. it's got that history to it. Yeah, heritage. Uh, yeah, that's the one I'm most excited Legacy about. Legacy fixture. Mm. Duncan, have you, where do you think a surprise might occur out of those fixtures? Well, I think people that enjoy... Poor quality football and and rage might enjoy Everton Wolves because mm. both of oh yeah the booing there yeah both have started badly I mean I think Wolves are slightly unlucky in some respects although not in others and Everton obviously in a in a pretty bad place both on and off the pitch at the moment so that could be as I mean it's rare to get a six pointer in <laughs> the August ever six pointer and yet yeah demonstrably All right. I mean Wolves I feel at least could get out of this and not be involved in a relegation battle whereas it's hard to see Everton not scrapping around alright but you know we're only two games into the season a lot of changes could happen along the way Kiva what a game apart from Chelsea Luton which you're looking I was going to say I'm literally looking forward that to that one, one. Friday night yeah. football mm. ok <laughs> under the under lights, the lights. <laughs> <laughs> we'll certainly touch on that very very shortly but go on then Charlie let's begin with Newcastle Liverpool what are you expecting from this game well, it's, in, it's an interesting one because Liverpool did the double over Newcastle last season. Somehow. Somehow, yeah. I mean, one was a really late, really late goal, wasn't it? Yeah, Fabio Carvalho. In like yeah, yeah. That stoppage was time. the early season one at Anfield. And then in the return game at Newcastle was the Pope getting sent off, mm. which kind of killed it as a contest a bit. But Newcastle only lost five times last season uh, and two were two Liverpool. So, yeah, I think Newcastle will see this game as a chance to kind of right some of those wrongs in their eyes, I suppose, mm. and make a bit of a statement. Because also these two teams were fourth and fifth last season. They may be competing again for those sorts of positions. I think, you know, obviously both both would be looking higher. But yeah, I, th- I think it's a really interesting and evenly matched game. I, I think Liverpool would do very well to win there again. It's a really, really difficult place to go these days. Kivari, uh, a Newcastle side that dazzled us against Villa in the opening weekend and then was a little bit put back in its box by Man City. But that that Newcastle attack against this Liverpool defence, what does that equal? Worry, I think, for Liverpool fans at the minute because it looks like there's a lot of holes in the boat and sometimes they look like, I mean, against Bournemouth at the end, it looks like they were you know holding on. Even though they had a two-goal lead, it was just like that kind of repetitive chaos that Liverpool seemed to just absorb this season just like they did last season. So, yeah, I think it is um, it is a worrying one with the high line and the defence not quite looking like settled and Andy Robertson, you kind of just want him to go forward and have fun. He's more in the back three now and obviously Trent sort of running around a little bit and it doesn't look as settled as it should and it looks really open and Alisson's having to save everything again. Apologies if everybody else is across this, but so uh, Trent moving into midfield, does that mean that Robbo doesn't get forward anymore? Yeah, so when he goes forward, it's sort of like a back three and then right. a box. And, yeah, a box midfield. And what you'd normally do is you'd have maybe a, a central defender that can play at fullback, you know, like City would with Ake or Kanji. But Robertson's not really that player at all. So he's mm. not that great at defending in a three. And then it also curtails what we can do going forward. And I think everyone's focused on Liverpool's search for number six this summer, but they also really needed a left-sided def- central defender. Mm. And they haven't done that. They looked and, at Van der Ven, who's gone to Spurs, mm, and they were on that. They were, they're on the longest unbeaten run in the Premier League, which is mad because they keep nearly losing. And it, even that run at the end of last season, they won, I think, a record number of um, games by single goal margin. So mm. it was a bit of a false. You know, it could have gone the other way quite easily. Yeah, had they got Champions League, I think it would have been like okay. But actually, if you look back at those games, it was like on the edge. And it was a bit of a salvage job, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, it was. It was desperately trying to get fourth, which even with that great run, they weren't able to do. I mean, that stat you just mentioned there about them being the side that are most unbeaten 13 games. I read that and was just like, what? No yeah. way. Like, that's that can't be true because I've watched Liverpool too much to know that it doesn't feel right. They can be deceptive. I remember Mourinho in his first season at United, they went on some mad unbeaten run, but they were still like fifth or something. I mean, the thing with Liverpool, and apologies, Kiva, this may have been said loads of times, but 
it does feel a bit like they've gone full circle under Klopp because mm. I always find it amazing that when he joined, they were this kind of helter-skelter, you never know what you're going to get. Like even when they got to the Champions League final in 2018, they beat Roma, I think, 7-6 on aggregate. And it was kind of madness. And then they went to this winning machine. And now they see more that kind of early Klopp, the heavy metal football that he talked about. Um, but it's been to, it's to their detriment a bit because obviously they were best when it's they like had that It's like a heavy metal, control. but like a tribute act to the heavy metal. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Almost. Mm. Their best days are behind them, possibly. I mean, I do think that the evolution that they're going on, you're always going away from Salamane Firmino, was not going to be easy. I think maybe some people underestimated how good those three were. Almost generational they were. The idea that you can just kind of like ease into another front three that easily. Like, I think that will take time if they ever get there, because I do think the level that those three played at was incredible over a long period of time. It's like a hangover almost, isn't it? Yeah. But then you've got a player like Luis Diaz, who mm. like, he's just picked up Who this does season. look great, yeah. Probably looks Liverpool's best player so far this season for me. Some good news for Liverpool ahead of this game. The fact they've successfully appealed the red card for Alexis McAllister. He will be available then for the trip to uh, St James's Park. You spoke to his brother this week. In this very room. Oh, did you? Yeah, oh. this is where I found a little hideaway. And you weren't, you know, in here, so... Um, why were you speaking to his brother? And what's his brother called? His brother's called Kevin McAllister. Did so that, why wouldn't wait you speak a to him? Your age, does that name mean anything to you? Absolutely. I'd yeah, love okay, good. Home Alone. Yeah, great. Because oh, my first right, thought was, was he ever left behind on family holidays? Also, it's one of the rare films where actually the sequel is better than mm. the original. Oh, really? Lost in New York. Just saying. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's Starring good. Donald Trump. Takes you out the house, doesn't yes. it? Like, Seriously, that's better than the original, is it? I think there's definitely an argument for that. Okay. I mean, we could do a whole podcast <laughs> here about A, Home Can Alone, we? and B, yeah. sequels that... that uh, what do you think, listener, shall we? But no, just briefly, make your case for what's better about Home Alone 2 Lost in New York compared to the first one. Well, you're in New York. Oh, I see. That's basically Not a fan of the Chicago suburbs. Well, yeah. I mean, they actually filmed that in a high school, didn't they? The same high school that was filmed for The Breakfast Club, I think. Isn't it all in the McAllister's home? No, they just... Well, a lot of... Oh, but they mocked it up in a high school. So the outside's real, and then they mocked it all up. I also think by the second one... I've ruined it for everyone. Macaulay Culkin has really found his feet, and he is superb. Like There's the bit with the bellboy, isn't there, and he he tips him, and he's so cheeky and all of that. He's at the top of his pranking game. It really is. He's just given more of a platform, I think, by the fact he's in New York. Is the the mock 20s gangster Cagney-esque dialogue, is that first film or second? That's first film. Is it? Yeah. Keep the change, you filthy animal. Well, I'll have to go back and watch them. Yeah, they're both both good. I think that's the. the there was away. a third, wasn't there? Third. Which was sort of like yeah. Godfather Part Three. Yeah, it wasn't. Didn't have Culkin. Without Culkin, yeah. Um, a, a third film in a series that's better than the first two. I think that would be Toy really Story. Diff- I would say Ooh, would be in the conversation. That is a good shout. That is a good Toy shout. Story Three is at the same level, if not better. That might be it. But but listen, you'll have your own your own thoughts about that. Do let us know if the address is ever. At the Totally Football Show, <laughs> Wood Lane. So he's. Did you ask him if he's caught if he's named after that, Kevin? <laughs> so First yeah, based, I didn't ask him straight away. I thought I gotta like you know ask him right. about. Obviously, he's, he's playing in Belgium now. So is he? Yeah, he used to play. For and what was he doing here then? Argentina studio. Or was he in Belgium? And you were sat here. Um, I was on Zoom. Ah, okay, sorry. So he was on Zoom. Right. We were on Zoom together. Was, was, where was it? Was he home alone? Or? <laughs> oh. Ironically, Kevin McAllister's parents could have done with Zoom back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that would have really helped. So he's playing for Union saint gilois Nice. Okay, who narrowly missed out on the title Yeah. last season. So um, he, did, he is actually named after Kevin McAllister. Why? Why his would his parents go? He, he, no. he, he only found out when he was 18, he said... That's Which, incredible. Yeah, it was well, so he said he went to his parents. He confronted them, and they said, "Almost like it's true." Yeah, basically. But I see, think. I think it, that works because growing up in Argentina, the film would have oh, seemed more yeah, right. more obscure, exotic, a bit, and like they wouldn't have. You know. yeah, also, if you called like a kid you... in the UK Kevin McAllister or the US at that time, yeah. I once did a piece about the in the nineties. There's a lot of British footballers called Kevin. You know, Yashidis, etc. Mm. But now it's almost entirely a. Uh, overseas name like you know McAllister mm. De Bruyne it's you know Kevin has lived on mm. abroad where when it fell out, out of fashion in there the might UK. be a place in the world where Gary is still a name there probably is I yeah. bet there is somewhere not sure oh, it's an infinite so universe obscure. somewhere out there mm. there's got to be one okay wow that's remarkable isn't it of all the characters to choose 
So they just sort of grew into it now because obviously I think it was it sounded like opposition fans used it first, but then now they get his new club in Belgium. Did they make kind of Home Alone based chants against him? <laughs> well, their announcement video. I, th- I don't know. We would, didn't go into details on that. Right. Um, but basically, maybe something like that. It sounded like really your parents then, but are now in it's... Paris. <laughs> <laughs> but now it's, did you have a cousin you know... called Buzz, or is it a brother called Buzz? Yeah, uh, is it, no, is it Buzz brother? was from the other family. Yeah, yeah, that's it. He's got family. a brother called Alexis and another brother. Yeah, called yeah, Francis, we got that. So. Yeah, <laughs> yeah good point. Buzz. Always, I always thought <laughs> <laughs> boy check Chesney. I always thought it looked a bit like Buzz. Well, okay, shout. we're really <laughs> <laughs> branching off here. People who look like supporting characters. <laughs> <laughs> In uh, yeah, 80s family feel good movies. <laughs> All right, uh, good listener. Thank you for bearing with us with a top match in prospect. Then, Sunday afternoon, uh, after this, we'll get on to another of the uh, weekend's more intriguing fixtures that bottom two head to head at Goodison. Hello, listeners. If you're someone who is just too busy for a regular length podcast in the morning, we have something for you. The Daily Football Briefing brings you bang up to date with the biggest football stories in just over 10 minutes. Whether it's David Ornstein on the latest big signing or Matt Slater on a takeover saga that won't go away, we'll bring you right up to speed all before you've finished your first coffee of the day. Listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify and all the usual platforms and make sure to like and subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. The Athletic is the only place you can read articles by Daniel Taylor, Amy Lawrence, Phil Hay, James Pierce, Ollie Kay, and the very best football writers around. Bottom two go head-to-head at Goodison on Saturday afternoon. Everton facing Wolves. Everton at the foot of the table for the first time in 13 years. James Tarkovsky is still feeling chipper though. He says, positives for me are Villa got battered 5-1, turned up and won 4-0 against us. So there's no reason why we can't do that next week. What do you think? Is there any reason you can think of why Everton might not win 4-0 in this fixture? Because they can't <laughs> score goals at the minute. Neil Mopat. That's been front. a problem for a mm. while. I mean... Calvert-Lewin gets injured all the time and they've got really no one else to score. So, I mean, Wolves have let, conceded the most open play XG this season, which that's where my, I accept Wolves have played quite well. They've played well at United and, and obviously got battered last week. But Gary Neal last year at Bournemouth, they did concede a lot of XG and he kind of got away with it. And you do, you can c- Can't outrun it forever, can you? Can't outrun it, no. Yeah, Only Brighton you. had more shots than, have had more shots than Wolves this season. So, yeah. yeah. So yeah, it could it could be a sort of three three calamity classico, right? Or it might just be bleak. Okay, uh, Dominic Cavalier out. Alex Awobi is gone as well. Uh, Demarai Gray appears to be on his way to Saudi Arabia too. Uh, this is the first time since 1955 that Everton have lost their first two games without scoring. They have never in their history lost the opening three matches of a campaign without scoring, but. Uh, quite a real prospect here. On the subject of this game, David Ornstein writing that uh, Man City are all but settled for Mateus Nunez from Wolves. Um, why? I think is a lot of people's. There's, I'm sure there's a good reason, but yeah. what is it? Well, I remember before he, when he joined Wolves, the sort of main thing we were all told was that Pep loves this player. Oh yeah, <laughs> as a way of sort of um, burnishing his credentials. And I guess even last season, where I think Nunez was overall fairly underwhelming um <laughs> he retains that admiration i mean i do i remember seeing nunez uh playing against spurs early on and he did actually look really good but yeah i, I mean i think overall he didn't have a great season wolves on the whole weren't great but yeah pep obviously hasn't seen enough to put him off that view that he held this time a year ago there aren't that many players as well i mean i think they've struggled to find someone for that position how big a game is this Beyond the fact that they're bottom two at the moment, it is still August. How dramatic could the consequences of this match be? 
I think if Wolves lose, it's not that bad for them. I think, you know, it is early. But I think if Everton do, given all the stuff that's going on with the issues with the you know investment, mm. um, the fact they just look really bad at football at the moment, I think the vibes will will mount. And, and it's, you know, once again, we're here, you know, like this time last year, Lampard had kept them up, but then started badly. Last year, Sean Deitch kept them up and started badly. It's like they're just trapped in this feedback loop of despair feels worse now as well i mean i i haven't heard from my brother in a couple of weeks and he's an evertonian <laughs> that's bad so i know that usually you know we would have had some kind of football talk but it's like he's almost like he just can't do it anymore you know? what, what do you think the atmosphere is going to be like at goodison on saturday i mean always up for it i think the yeah. fans are always there and i think they know it's important that they don't sort of sink into this like relegation mindset mm. again, even though it feels like it's already happening. Got to get out of that quick because it's it's just sinking sand. What's your sense of how much, if they are to lose this game, will the anger be towards Daesh or is it the people above him? Like how much longer does he have? it? Like I think that's the big, if they lose this again, then surely people will be talking whether fairly or not about his future. Yeah, definitely. I think that'll come up, won't it? I feel like from just sort of like, Obviously, being around the city, I don't feel like there's any kind of chat about Daesh like that. Mm. Not that I've come across anyway. There might be, which I'm not hearing. It feels more directed to the board, mm. ownership level. I think on the pitch stuff, the, the big concern is that Daesh seems wedded to keep playing Keane and Tarkovsky as a partnership, and it just doesn't work. I mean, since the start of last season, Everton can see 2.1 goals per game when they both start versus 1.3 when they don't. And they were both pretty ropey last weekend against Villa. So, I mean, I think the it's almost like when the team sheet comes out too, if they're both in the team, I think that will affect the atmosphere in terms of how people are. Gives the opposition a lift. Yeah, <laughs> pin it on the dressing room yeah. wall, literally. What uh, what would be the alternatives? They've got youngster Jared Branthwaite who came through at Carlisle and he, he had a few games to start last season, but, you know, he's, he's young. But yeah, that's, again, the the squad is so thin. Mm. Um, obviously lost Yerry Mina, who was one of the mm. the better performers last season. Um, and yeah, it's they're in a tricky position because I think if they do lose, the, the, the urge to spend the final week of the transfer window finding solutions will right, grow, but, but they don't really have the wherewithal to do that. Right. There was uh, Cody last season as well, wasn't there? Because yeah. Yeah, massive enough. financial issues which have been going on for a bit. Uh, again, Matt Slater in The Athletic breaking this down after the group from which they were hoping to get a massive uh, injection of uh, liquidity, 150 million, kind of withdrew from talks this week, which has left them uh, in a real situation. It is remarkable. One of the richest clubs in the world, essentially, being a Premier League side, but... That's where we are. The fans haven't been happy for a long time as well, so this just won't help that. Yeah. It's like as much as you can get behind the team, there's so much going on around it that just there's just an unhappiness there, which is difficult, isn't it? Tarkovsky's still chipper though, and maybe that will rub off on the team and well, maybe that's the maybe he's you've cracked, got to have. maybe it's cracked the code. Maybe that's it. You just look at what Villa did the mm. week before and then base your season on that. Or just every team you play, whatever they <laughs> just did carries the week on before, I do quite like the, the logic. I mean, I can see why <laughs> that's going to annoy a lot of people. I mean, it's quite Sunday league sort of logic, but well, I mean, could work. He's saying that you know a team can do really badly and then do really well, or you and use it as fuel. Yeah, it's not even coincidental. All right, what kind of motivational message do you think Luton need to be giving themselves as they prepare for Friday's visit Stamford Bridge, or is it Chelsea, Kiva? who need to be talking themselves up for this one, given that they have only won one of their last 14 league fixtures. One. That is mad. That's like the Liverpool mm. staff from earlier. They both don't seem mm. right or correct. Yeah. Like, are they? Are Someone they? hasn't added That's that true. Up, right? Tell us. No, I've, <laughs> is I've, it real? I went back and <laughs> took my socks off and, and, it's, and you know, borrowed somebody else's hand, and it is 14. It was Bournemouth last May, since you're wondering. It's not good, is it? Mm. Won five of 31 league games. That's like relegation energy, but it's Chelsea, so... Yeah, 31 games. I mean, that is not far off a season. That is a huge period, and a number of managers. I mean, how many managers would that have been? Four, Four? if you include... If you, yeah, yeah, Bruno, Bruno Salter. Yeah. Uh, but is, uh, <laughs> is a visit from the Hatters exactly what they need? Because let's be fair, let's not have too much kind of results bias here. There have been moments, periods in both of the Chelsea games so far this season when they've actually looked really, really good. Yeah, I thought they were phenomenal against Liverpool. Do not know how they did not win that game. And same against West Ham. The first yeah. half, they were all over them. 
Yeah, they're a bit like these. sort of like <laughs> British weather this summer. Like yesterday, I strolled along Waterloo Bridge and I was just like, oh my God, so hot. I should have brought sun lotion in my bag today. Then I got the bus today along Waterloo Bridge because it was raining and I didn't have an umbrella. Right. So it feels like Chelsea almost have started the season how, you know, I've walked and mm. bussed along Waterloo Bridge for the past couple of days. Yeah. I feel like there's enough there. I mean, there's definitely enough there. They've got a lot of players. I feel like they'll get it together and I can see them doing really well this season. I still feel that yeah, way I about agree. them. Some people think they come a second, so yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's true, Duncan. Mm. That's true. You, we'll ask shortly if Luton are the shower that's incoming for, for Chelsea. You saw them in action, I think, against Brighton earlier this season, so interesting to get your thoughts. That's the only game they've played so far, of course, that is because of the Kenilworth Road uh, ground improvement. But yeah, Duncan, have you, in any way, based on the two games so far... Lost faith in your prediction? No, I've got more faith. I think. Really? Yeah, I think trust the process. Trust the process. Um, they've looked good. They've looked way more organised and inventive than they did at any point in our season. I think, you know, Luton at home on a Friday night should be a good opportunity to get should. Poch's first win at, at Chelsea. Here's another crazy stat: in every single one of their last six Premier League matches, Chelsea have gone one nil down. Mm. Can Luton There's do hope. that? There's hope. Yeah. I mean, I think if Luton can get ahead in a game, then mm. we'll sort of see what they're able to do because, mm. I mean, they play a back three, which at Brighton was like totally exposed a lot of the time and maybe they don't look quick enough as well. And like it was funny watching because in Brighton you, you're quite close to the manager. So you're seeing like Roberto Deserbi shout like, it needs to be quicker. And he said that after the game and Rob Edwards just sort of just stood there thinking, like, how do I get my players to be as quick as he wants his players? And his players are quick anyway, but he wants them even quicker. So it just felt like this real sort of, okay, they needed 13 days off to just reapproach mm. that they're in the Premier League. And, yeah, I think they should get some points out of the season. And they gave me hope watching them because it was 1-0 for a long time and then it was 2 and they, then they got a penalty and scored. It just feels like this might not go to plan for them because it's Friday night. and The 13 days off, do. though, that could be... I mean, that is a, a major it's positive. Maybe. I mean, Luton... The I thought Luton might stay. I mean, they are an interesting Based team. on what? Just they've, they've got a way of playing, like he was saying, and, and they know what they need to do, and sometimes it won't work. Sometimes they will get heavily beaten, but they weren't that outplayed at Brighton. And, and you know, Ryan Giles is really good at wing-back. Um, you know, Carlton Morris is a handful, I think, to use a phrase. If he can score, I was thinking he scored the penalty, but he had so many chances mm. and was really just like leading from the front. I feel like they need someone to just get like 10 goals this season and that's it. Because I think stepping up from the Championship, I think of like someone like Dominic Solanke who scored like mm. like 29 goals in the Championship for Bournemouth. Then I think last season got seven goals or something like that. That difficulty of just mm. getting you know as many goals as possible is really hard and the level is just completely different it was quite sort of fun watching them in the mix zone after they were sort of just happy that they're in the Premier League which is totally fair mm -hmm. and then <clears throat> excuse me I had like Tom Lockyer who's obviously the captain he collapsed at Wembley didn't he and watched the penalty mm. shootouts from his hospital bed and he was sort of just like buzzing and smiley and thinking well we've got 13 days to fix all this like let's just enjoy it and kind of got that energy from yeah. the fans and the club but you know in general it's an underrated vibe that i mean you've seen it before teams like with teams like blackpool that came People up enjoying themselves yeah just, mm. happy, just having fun happy to yeah. be there happy carnival to, atmosphere all day i games. applaud that they're in our league i mean to, yeah. to show how much the world has changed i guess the last time these two played in a top flight game at sanford bridge oh yeah was eight days after the world wide web went public um not sure what happened to that facility but what uh, what, what date shot me august the 31st 1991 1991, the, the World Wide Web. So a week before the World Wide Web. I'm not sure many people followed Chelsea Luton in 91 online. Maybe some crackpot scientist somewhere. But right. Two things linked together. Mm. Like, would we have the World Wide Web without that game? Yeah. <laughs> without, I mean, also <laughs> that was the inspiration. There's, Mark's, there's, a, there's some nice connections between the clubs. Well, Mark Steen, right. back in the day. Mm. Um, okay. That's I mean, because yeah, nice Luton were the last were in the last season before the Premier League, weren't they? The founder members of the Premier League yeah. in terms of agreeing to it, and they never got to and play in it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, here they How are. How about that? Can they get internet? Yes. Yeah. On Friday, we'll find out. Ooh, kind of Chico Mecca. 
who looked so dazzling early on against West Ham. He's out for six weeks after that injury that he suffered uh, shortly after scoring on Sunday. That's another thing you would say with Chelsea. They have had injuries. Mm. And I do, I think, you know, once they get a few players back. I, I, thin I, squad as well, no? Thin squad, yeah. Thin squad. Uh, need mm. a few more signings and they'll be all right. All right. Three teams have made perfect starts so far this season. We'll talk about them next. The Premier League is back and the Athletic Football Podcast is your essential football companion this season. Whether it's dissecting Chelsea's astronomical spending, assessing Spurs in a post-Harry Kane era, or the growing impact of Saudi Arabia's riches, we'll be there four days a week this season as we get to the heart of the biggest stories. Join me, Ayo Akinwalere, and the Athletics' esteemed roster of writers on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and the usual podcast spaces. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com slash courtside to learn more. You're listening to the Totally Football Show with James Richardson, the Sports Podcast Awards Soccer Podcast of the Year. Erdogan with the spot pick and sends the old people the wrong way. Arsenal in front. And it's the captain with the penalty. Two wins out of two for Brighton, Man City and Arsenal, who got their second victory Monday night, 1-0 at Palace. Uh, they're taking on Fulham this weekend. That Palace win, though, on Monday, is that one of those kind of tough test of their title credentials type fixtures? And in which case, what, what did we learn about this Arsenal? Well, yeah, I think that is, that's the... Uh... The cliche isn't it, that you've got to win these games. Well, they were ten. You're... They were down to ten men for yeah, about, about half an hour. An hour or, so. with, or was it half? An yeah, hour? With, okay. with added time. And yeah. it was one of those. Yellow, I mean, the sort of one that you can feel a sense of injustice about because both offences are, are soft. Um, and they they had to do something very different. I mean, they'd been pretty dominant up until that point. Then they had to go into proper rearguard action mode. They brought Gabriel on, um, and and basically completely ceded possession I mean there are other ways of playing with 10 men their approach and they've had to they didn't get a player sent off last season but the previous season it happened quite a bit and they had to do this quite often there was a game at Wolves where they also won 1-0 after Martinelli was sent off for a similarly yeah that was for, for two bookings in the same passage which I think is the same time only time that's ever happened in the Premier League but anyway and what they used to do then was chuck Rob Holding on um, he's obviously not really in the picture anymore but later they brought on Jorginho which was a sort of more progressive way of seeing out a game and he made a difference um but yeah I mean I think they'll be delighted to have come through that but at the same time I mean they've won both their games I guess you would say they haven't been massively convincing in either the second of which I guess it's hard to be convincing when you're clinging on for half an hour the first game at home they ended up hanging on a little bit for a game that they were cruising mm, from the against Forest against Forest they don't keep clean sheets at home mm. they've got this really weird inability to do that so I guess based on that Fulham will think they might have a chance I mean this fixture last season Fulham went ahead uh, Arsenal won it late do you know Fulham have never won an away game at Arsenal in their entire existence 30 visits it's the most in the English league history is yeah. that right mm-hmm. so it can never happen it's a glitch <laughs> yeah I mean they've got so they've got Bernd Leno and yeah. I, I think a lot of it's confirmation bias but there's a sense isn't there that goalkeepers against their old clubs right. have blinders yeah it seems to remember he was quite good in this game last season he is the busiest keeper in the Premier League this season after all of two games 14 saves so far uh, so they have him but at the other end of things they don't have Alexander mm. Mitrovic anymore which will be a bit of an issue is it too early for Arsenal to be holding on to games do you think in a title race or to be you know, wanting to be in the title race again. Like, how early should you be holding on to games? Because they ended the game with seven defenders yeah. on the pitch and they had a defender obviously sent off. So I mean, I think that was part. That was largely situational. I also think they're trying something a bit different. So they're playing... I mean, I don't think anyone in their season previews or whatever would have thought that Gabriel would be out of the first mm-hmm. team. He's been... I mean, he... It ended a crazy run. We basically started every game last season and the season before. And he's been on the bench for the first two kind of playing with a back three. 
So they're, they're pivoting to something else. And I guess the idea is that, or not the idea, but the acceptance is the benefits of that will come later and there might be some teething issues early on. And I think we've seen those because they haven't looked as fluid. But obviously you don't have a huge amount of time. The benefit they have is that three out of their first four games are at home, which is a bit of a weird quirk. But I think there will be. I think, yeah, I think fans will be hoping that they look a bit more fluid. I mean, obviously one of the issues last year was that they couldn't keep clean sheets at home, but they did away. And that's obviously yeah. carried on so far. But I mean, I did enjoy Arteta after the Palace game, just going to hear how he absolutely loved the sort of backs to the world of funding. Yeah, I mean, Fulham don't win at Arsenal, do they? So There you go. They're trying to get Balogun as well. Are they? According to reports, they're one of the clubs. He's one of the players that they uh, want as a replacement for Mitrovic. Hmm. All right. Uh, the other two teams who've made perfect starts are Brighton and Man City. Brighton have West Ham. That's Saturday tea time. Brighton have won back-to-back 4-1 victories and looking about as impressive as any. Well, they're top of the league, aren't they? I think they're absolutely brilliant. And I just want to talk about Matoma because mm. I absolutely love him. And... Brighton fans get to watch him every week and that is just pure joy because I got to watch him once and like came away from Brighton just like wow. What did you love most about? Oh there was a there was a part where he just like had the ball and I think it was Giles actually maybe or one of the players on the right side for Luton she sort of ran towards him like yeah I'll get the ball off him. He sort of kept the ball on his right foot. It didn't move. He sort of swept it one way. His foot like stayed on the ball, and then he swept it the other, and then just like swished past. And I was just like, "Okay, we're watching something <laughs> truly special." He's still he, my beating heart. He just yeah, he just swishes. That's probably the best way to describe him. <laughs> X swish. Yeah, in and out and up and down and everywhere. He's yeah, a true joy to watch. And that was before his goal last weekend, which was sensational. Yeah, I think he's going to be. Yeah, I mean, we already know that because last season he just... I mean, it's... It was absolutely brilliant, but... It's pure Brighton to have a player who's done a thesis on dribbling. <laughs> yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> and is that good at it as well? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I would, as a flex, I quite like him to pull out a bit of paper during a game and, you know, make out that he's adding to his thesis. Right. Or hand notes to the defenders. Here's what you do. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's why they're called footnotes. Yay! Very nice. Uh, well, there you go. Uh, tough game, that, in prospect for the Hammers. But an insane one for the viewers at 5.30 Saturday afternoon. Hammers haven't beaten Seagulls in 12 previous Premier League meetings. They will be without mm. uh, Aguerre as well, who picked up two bookings against Chelsea. Ooh, uh, it is Thursday, though, so it's West Ham on the verge of an agreement with Ajax to sign Mohamed Kudus Day. We seem to get that every week. If they do get that... Uh, over the line, it'll be kudos to them in in a very real sense because he's such a terrific. Player. Well, Brighton were after him as well. That's true. So they where, can parade where, him. <laughs> <laughs> where um where are they with that? Is this is this any more likely? Do you think, Charlie? It does sound like it is going to happen. And mm. I, I have to say, I haven't seen a great deal of him. But from what I hear, he's a very exciting. Player. Well, you saw him in the Champions League perhaps last year. A little bit. Mm. Um, Electric. Played well yeah. against Liverpool, didn't he? And um. Yeah, I mean, a few Dutch people said he's a little bit inconsistent, but mm. welcome to West Ham. All right. Man City <laughs> are at Sheffield United, Sunday, 2 o'clock. <laughs> yeah, the Bluebells there with a song that I think we all despise, right, right-thinking people. Oh, yeah. Young at Heart by the Bluebells. Perhaps you love it, listener. Good yes, luck to you. Uh, I don't think I've ever heard it before. Seriously, You're messing it up. Should I have heard it? It's, um, I mean, it's a song that's brimful of joy and brio, you know? A little bit too much for some, <laughs> some of our more dyspeptic uh, pod members. But, uh, yes, the reason that was there, thank you, producer Charlie, is because that was number one in April 1993, the faraway times of uh, the early 90s, which was the last time that Sheffield United scored a top-flight goal against Man City. 30 years, never scored a goal against them. I was Brian Dean, by the way. Brian Dean uh, back in there. Well, man. It's always Brian Dean. Always Brian Dean. It's not going to be this weekend, clearly. Will it be anybody else of the Blades? I don't think so. I would... If I, I mean, City have kept clean sheets in their first two games. They finished the back end of last season incredibly strong defensively. I think if I had to say one way or the other, I would imagine City would keep a clean sheet and win their first three games of the season for the first time 
since Pep's first season, when, of course, they didn't win the league, mm. which surprised me given I think of them as often, uh, even if they don't start massively strongly, but three games for them is nothing. Yeah, you'd think. Uh, two clean sheets so far, and yet problems at the back for Pep. Uh, that's why he's having mm. surgery and won't be back on the sideline until after the international break. Yeah. That's, that's rough for him, no? Yeah, painful. Mm. Um, also leads to the philosophical question hmm. at... He, if City do win against Sheffield United, it'll be their 200th win under Pep. But should it count if he's not there? To w- when does the manager, mm. when does his... I mean, presumably he'll be picking the team, he'll be setting the approach, maybe oh. even in contact during the game through some sort of device. Definitely but, still counts, I think. Yeah, but... I mean, obviously Spurs had that, didn't they, last yeah. season with Conte being away. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it never used to really happen. It seems to be... What, managers not being mm. present There were a game. couple of COVID ones, weren't there, where managers yeah. had to stay away. I think COVID yeah. maybe, you know, was the point people realised, oh, it's not this. Because mm. I think, you go back to the 90s and stuff, managers would just crawl onto the touchline in any condition. Was it Klopp who didn't bother turning up for a Liverpool game two seasons back? Well, Liverpool had two games on the same day. That's right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, and then I think, did he miss one through, like, illness himself? Maybe COVID related, but mm. I think there was like an operation in there, poten- mm. potentially like appendix or something like that. Rings a bell, but mm. I don't know. Possibly so. City, uh, with or without uh, Pep on the sidelines, massive favourites then for this game against the Blades. Uh, the I mean, Blades City have got a fairly soft, in inverted commas, run of fixtures. I know there's no easy game in the Premier League, but they really could be in a very strong Set position. Set their stall out. Yeah, they really could. Wow. Sheffield United have agreed a fee for Villa striker Cameron Archer, who scored 11 goals in 20 championship games on loan at Borough last season. He's also had six goals in 11 camps for England's under-21s, which is quite a strike rate. Uh, Duncan, you were nodding with, with appreciation. You a fan? Yeah, he's good. I mean, he played well for the under-21s when they won the Euros. Um, but to Kiva's point earlier, you know, it's all very well to score in the championship, but, but stepping up a, a level. But I do think he'll be an upgrade on, on what they've got. So it's a, it's a good move. Jeremy Doku, meanwhile, is another player who could be mm. on his way to the Etihad. May have even finalised that move by the time you hear this, listener. Uh, he's on his way from Wren, averaged 11 take-ons per game last season, which is, Duncan, the most in Europe's top five leagues. What? Just define for us a take-on. Take-on me. Um, it is basically a dribble, so going, okay. going past the player. So if you went past... So Maradona's famous yeah. goal against England would have four or five take-ons, take-ons within it. But yeah, he's a relentless dribbler, which is interesting. Cause <laughs> obviously and Nevin does well. sound like a huge amount. Well, especially yeah. if he goes to City, because obviously Jack Grealish used to be high in that category at Villa, and mm. then it doesn't do that anymore. So yeah, okay. but he's a good player, good okay. prospect. Where do we stand on the Phil Foden should be playing inside as a number 10 debate? He was brilliant last weekend. Seven chances created is the most by City player for, for some time, and he did... He does offer something in that position. Mm. But Do you lose something because he, he was so good out on the wing? He was, but then he didn't play there that much last season. Last season, was he was on the bench quite a lot, obviously. Yeah. Was, so, I mean, he's, this is his... He's basically got a chance over the next few months to make that position his with, with De Bruyne being out. So. Mm. I do think that there is a weird like hierarchy of football positions that there's always an assumption that everyone like mm. with fullbacks even now there's such a delayed like fullback is such a great position there's always thing of like oh but he's so good could he, could he play in midfield <laughs> or could he play more centrally and I'm like some players are suited to those roles and some players are suited to playing out wide and it can be easier to find space often is easier to find space out wide who do you think's top dog then in the dressing room does the striker does he well, come in and everyone uh, centre mid? Centre mid. I think centre mid. Really? And like the, the best kid at school would often be, mm. or university would be centre mid. I think because you're you're like the all rounder. You can yeah. do a bit of everything. You get the striker who, who scores goals for fun, but doesn't actually contribute that much. Everyone's just like, well, they just do whatever. Huh. Yeah. Mm. But then you have the sort of madcap keeper that dominates proceedings, maybe. But they're they're, they're so separate. I think mm. their own breed, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Goalkeepers are different. There you go, listener. Mm. Uh, so we're big on Man City and their chances at Sheffield United Sunday at 2 o'clock. Uh, what's the other game that's at 2 o'clock on Sunday? Oh, yeah, it's Burnley who are against Villa. We'll get on to that and the other Premier League fixtures next. Tony Evans here, your host of the Athletics Dedicated Liverpool podcast, Walk On. 
The Reds have a new captain, a new look midfield, and we're ready for the new season. Join me, along with our stable of Liverpool writers, including James Pearce. For me, this is succession planning. Simon Hughes. They need a lot to, to go their way in a short space of time to, to set the team up for a successful season, I'd say. And Kiefer O'Neill. Feel ready now for the season? We're with you weekly each Wednesday on Apple, Spotify and all major podcast platforms. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. This is the Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. If you're following the fallout from the post-game celebrations at Spain's World Cup victory on Sunday... You may have seen that the Spanish FA president, Luis Rubiales, who is in all sorts of trouble for grabbing Jenny Hermosa and planting a a very uninvited uh, kiss on her lips, uh, has now had not just uh, FIFPRO, the Players' Union, calling for him to go, and not just uh, Liga clubs, but also Spain's acting second deputy prime minister saying he, he, uh, he must resign. Also, and this is especially damaging, uh, it's emerged that he pleaded with Hermosa to appear in the uh, kind of apology video that he did when it it finally dawned on him that people were a bit upset with him and that uh, Jorge Vilda approached uh, Hermosa's family three times, apparently, to put pressure on them to get Hermosa to to uh, to say that it was all all just a bit of banter. It was only banter. This whole situation is gross because this is Jenny Hermoso's big moment you know she's winning the world cup and that should be that should be the moment that she gets to cherish for the rest of her life instead this week in the past five days or so this has been the biggest story to come out of the world cup final that's so wrong on so many levels now obviously fifa have opened a disciplinary process up against rubiales which you know, we'll look into his conduct at the final and obviously the instance which occurred. But I want to be sat here talking about Spain winning the World Cup and how incredible it was, even though I'm absolutely gutted the Lionesses weren't able to do it. But instead, we're talking about this, which, yeah, it's just pretty depressing, to be honest. It is indeed. Champions League playoff uh, first legs, which took place Tuesday and Wednesday. Rangers and PSV, who met in this same fixture last season drawing 2-2 at Ibrox, squared up again on Tuesday and had the exact same scoreline. What are the odds? 2-2. PSV twice coming from behind in that game. Last year, Rangers went to Eindhoven and got a 1-0 win that saw them into the group stage where they recorded, I think, the worst group stage performance ever in the competition's history. Uh, They'll be attempting to pull off the the first part of that, possibly not the, the second part, next Wednesday when they go to the Netherlands. Also in playoff action uh, on Wednesday were Aston Villa. They took on Hibs in the 
Europa Conference League playoff, the competition that uh, Matt on Sunday was generously su- suggesting they didn't bother with, but they went and won five nil against Hibs. That Villa, eh? They are going to be taking on Burnley, as I mentioned. Only Burnley's second game of the season, this, because uh, they were a victim of, of Luton not being able to play at Kenilworth Road last weekend. Uh, they've had another lovely signing video. Did you see this? They're riding the wave of the... Barbie the, one. The Barbie wave, mm. yeah. Uh, Aaron Ramsey, but not that Aaron Ramsey. Mm. Another one. From Villa. Okay. Ah. Love, you know. Uh, good. And Aaron Ramsey looks a bit like Alexis McAllister, I, I think. This is Which weird, one does? The original Aaron Ramsey. Okay. Or the previous one, certainly. But if you want to get really weird, okay. Villa were the fir- second team ever to start a uh, top flight season having lost their first game by four more goals and then winning their second game by four more goals after Burnley in 1925. Oh, wow. And they lost to Villa 10-0 in, in that spell. So, so, no, wait. Okay, so Villa lost their opening game of the season. 5-1 in Newcastle. 5-1. And then... 1-4-0 against Everton. And the, the last time that happened, yeah. those margins happened, yeah. was... Burnley in 1925, and one of the Burnley's games was against Villa. So, I mean... And what was the next game after that, then? The third game in the sequence? Uh, I don't know, but... They, oh, sorry, that, you, so the 10-0, that was yeah, one of yeah, the Yeah, they two. lost 10-0 to Villa. Um, <sighs> fans were like, this is unacceptable. Get Deitchi in. Um, and then they won 4-0 against Leicester in the second game. Everyone was like, that's fine. Right. So The Leicester- rarity of that does slightly undermine Tarkovsky's... Well, exactly, Same. yeah. Someone should tell Tarkovsky that it's, yeah. It doesn't happen very often. Well, he'll, I think 10-0 is the lesson he would take from that. Yeah, true. No reason why we can't go out and get a 10-0 here. 10-0, double mm. figures. Anyway, limited relevance to <laughs> Villa's trip to Burnley this Sunday. Uh, I've got a stat here about Villa having the longest games in the Premier League this season. Do you want that? Or have you got some actual analysis on this game? And We're, we're so close to the start of the season, mm. it's hard to... Make too many. No, the only thing I'd say with this, what points. I think is quite interesting is, I mean, obviously Villa played on a Wednesday. Normally they'll be doing the Thursday-Sunday routine, but this mm. will be their first introduction to that routine of a midweek European game yeah, and then true. an away game at Turf Moor. Like that, I, I think they will have to navigate that and I don't think it's going to be easy for them. Okay. Over the course of the season, anyway. Mm. I mean, interesting to see Vincent Company, like uh, Luton, who we mentioned before, uh, will have had an extended period with which to work with his, his players ahead of this game and a lot of people expecting surprises from Burnley this season perhaps they'll start Sunday against Villa well they'll have a lot of time as well because when you think Luton had to go up through the player final and Burnley already had yeah. it wrapped up so Burnley should be well prepared for this should indeed alright Charlie a game that we haven't touched on yet takes place Saturday lunchtime when a lucky few will be crowded into the Vitality Stadium to see Bournemouth against Spurs. You'll be one of them. Mm. First ever trip to the Vitality. Oh, yeah. Trains have just been cancelled. Oh, really? Yeah, just found that out. I don't know. Just just got a text from someone okay. breaking that news. But that doesn't take away my excitement. I mean, of course. For, uh, for this game. Yeah, I think uh, it's an interesting one. I mean, Spurs fans are buzzing after Saturday and Ange Postacoglu... It's all very positive. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they can go and ride that wave. Mm. Um, Quite literally. The, well, exactly. You know, it's isn't it? Did you do that on purpose? Sorry. I did, actually, yeah. Nice. Um, nice. But, yeah, so we'll see. I mean, th- th- these games, weirdly, last season were both 3-2 away wins. Spurs winning by that scoreline in October and then Bournemouth doing it back to them wow. in April. Um, but, interestingly, I mean, the, the area where maybe Spurs haven't really clicked into gear yet, is in an attacking sense. Mm. Um, so Son, Kulisevsky and Richarlison, uh, yeah, let's see how they get on. Right. On Richarlison Saturday. was the disappointment against Man United. Yeah, I mean, he was. He, he was okay. Um, Kulisevsky as well has had his moments, but he hasn't really got back to where he was in his first season, first half season. Son was good against United but he wasn't explosive like we're used to right and I think the hope is that once you know once that clicks once that really bangs then um, then Spurs will go up another level who has been looking good is Yves Basuma man of the match in yes. both of Spurs games so far he's been superb I mean there was always a sense that he was weirdly underused under Conte 
in fairness, he was injured for a lot mm. of last season. He got COVID early on after joining. But yeah, he's been he's been fantastic. Him, Saar, Udogi, a few of them have really stood out. And Saar and Udogi are both 20. Okay. So a lot of reasons for optimism. Uh, less optimistic were the fans who saw James Madison yeah. leaving the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium Saturday on crutches. What's his And a protective injury? boot. Yeah, yeah. I'm waiting. Tomorrow we'll get an official... Um, communication on that uh, the sense is that it's not too serious but until we get the confirmation there's going to be a lot of anxious Spurs fans if he were to be out for a, uh, a decent amount of time there'd be a big blow hopefully he won't be but he was so good against United was really good on the opening weekend as well and just see you know sometimes you get a signing at a club and they just seem like a natural like they've been there for ages and he's fitted really well um, so yeah I mean I think that would really boost Bournemouth's chances if he isn't there because he is he is the man really to unlock opposition defences mm. is it really weird watching them without Harry Kane or is it just normal now yeah it is strange I mean because so much went through him I mean he really was like the absolute beating heart of that team but then I, I, I think what Postacoglu's done so well is that he has made it feel like you know Spurs can move on from it like, literally the day after Kane went was that uh, Brentford game, which they drew and played well in. And I think even then it was kind of like, OK, maybe, we, maybe we're going to be OK. And then obviously last week, I guess the challenge would be if the results aren't good and they're not scoring goals, then there probably will be quite a lot of pining for Kane. And I think it would do Richarlison a huge amount of good for him to score because he hasn't yet. He's only scored one Premier League ever for Tottenham, which was at Anfield last season. Spurs were one of the clubs that were supposedly interested in Balogun. Yeah, have, are they are mm. they still in the market for a centre forward? Well, they're still in the market for an attacker, certainly. Mm. Whether that's someone like Brennan Johnson, uh, who can play out wide, uh, or it's someone like Gift Orban, they are sure they're a player sure in that area, and I think they are going to try at least uh, to get someone in All right. before the window closes. Uh, what are Bournemouth's chances of getting their first win under Iraola and disrupting a bit of the enthusiasm around Postecoglou? Again, it's a work in progress, I think. I mean, they've obviously signed Tyler Adams this week. I think we'll fit into that team really well. He's injured, yeah. though. So it'll be a, they've, uh, they've got Alex Scott as well, who's also injured. So I think, you know, it's too early to, to judge, really. But it is, a again, I think it's quite strange to start this season. There's a lot of clubs, obviously, with a few exceptions. There's a lot of Premier League clubs with quite a lot of positivity around them. I think mm. Bournemouth and Spurs are two of those. So whereas last season could have been a bit of gloom descending... From like mist from the sea, mm. I think it's going to be, um, you know, it's the early, it's TV game. You might have looked at that last season and gone, okay, but I think actually this year it's actually mm. quite. I'm, I'm looking forward to it. A seaside special. Tyler Adams as well. He got sent off for Leeds against Spurs last season, late on, but it was actually really, really good in that game. And I, whenever I've seen him, I've been really impressed mm. with him. I, I think I think he could be important, and he's the kind of player you can imagine if he does come straight in and make his debut. He'll sort of hit the ground running, yeah. even got, having had an injury. He's got at the end captain of season. vibes, yeah, also, hasn't yeah. he? Big time. Very nice. United, meanwhile, beaten by Spurs last weekend. They'll be hosting Nottingham Forest Saturday afternoon. They've got an ac- excellent record. Certainly last season, they faced Forest four times, beat them on all four of them without conceding so much as a goal. They've started this season in desperately underwhelming fashion, Man United. Uh, and they won't have Mason Mount, for what that's worth. He's going to miss the next two games, apparently, through injury. Look at this. Andre Onana is facing, on average, 20 shots per game in his uh, spell so far at Man United. Wow. I have to say I was struck. Certainly, in the, I mean, the first half was pretty even against Spurs, but the second half, they were really bad. Mm. And it, it was the performance of a team that it was as if it was Ten Hag's second match in charge rather than the second mm. match of his second season in charge. Um, you know, I think, and you know, it's still in a wider sense, you hope for him early days, but it just, yeah, again, that term work in progress, that's how United felt. And I feel whenever I've seen them, even last season, they went on a, a good winning run, but against quite a lot of mainly weak opposition within that run. But generally my sense of them is that they just, they struggle to really string good performances together consistently. 
But that was the interesting thing in that game because Spurs looked like... I mean, the, the change in Spurs under Postacoglu was extraordinary, really, mm. when you actually look at how they, they approach the game. Whereas, and you were looking for something like that from United under Ten Hag? Yeah, and it just felt, like Charlie says, a bit back to back to points last season and, you know, the same old issues and, yeah, it, 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 you know, the defence looked pretty pretty ropey in the second half and, you know, Nana... Yeah, and, and Mount and Casemiro don't seem to fit together. Obviously, mm. that problem has gone for this weekend because Mount's injured. And it'll be interesting to see if... But do you think Casemiro... Because Casemiro, I think by kind of uh, popular consent, has not been the player that... Mm. Well, he, he came in previously. last year for a lot of money for someone in their 30s. And looked good, no? And every, a lot of people were like, well, yeah. that's a bit of a risky buy. And he actually played really well. Right. But do you think the problem is Mount? Or is it just that he's... He looks like he might have had a big summer, if you know what I mean. Yeah. The Calippos may have uh, mm. been in... In progress, but um, yeah, I think that midfield of Mount Casemiro Fernandez doesn't really fit together functionally at the moment. But as we say, that's not an issue this weekend. But I do think for Forest, you know, they went super defensive against Arsenal on the opening day, but but scared them later on. I think they should have a go against United because most teams later in the season, if United sort themselves out, are going to go there and probably get beaten. So they kind of got a free hit really, and I think they look very good on the counter attack and in transition and. They've definitely got a chance. The, pro- the problem is their away form, isn't it? I mean, it's dreadful for us. Um, yeah. But then you see, I mean, like, Elanga came on against Arsenal. I'm surprised Obviously he didn't he'll, start last week. Yeah, and that. he'll be, that would be against his old club, and he's someone yeah. so you think would be really dangerous on the counter with that pace. Very good point. Uh, Sassy, at the same time, at the GTEC Stadium, it'll be Brentford Crystal Palace. Uh, the final one of the uh, fixtures... For our roundup listener, Brentford offering over forty million pounds for Nico Gonzalez. Yeah, I mean, it's um, I've held my time. I've kept really I've quiet. I've kept really quiet, <laughs> but I'm now convinced Leicester winning the league in 2016 was a glitch. We're in a parallel universe because Brentford offering Brentford spending over forty million pounds on Serie A stuff. Well, it hasn't been accepted yet. Well, I know, but if it happens, mm. what what paradigm is this? I don't know. I hope they don't get him. Mm. I'm I'm enjoying him at Fiorentina, and I think this this year is going to be really hey, special for Fiorentina. Kids in Florence grow up dreaming of playing for Brentford. Don't take that <laughs> dream away from them. At the G Tech, you, you were asking before as well about football oh, yeah. and real life colliding. Oh yeah, and I did. I realised recently I was using a mini uh, Hoover at home. Turned out it was a G Tech one. Oh. I never realised that's what G Tech did. No, I only realised G- what G Tech's business was really yeah. recently. Did the rest of you all know? I, I didn't, didn't know. know. Yeah, because well, I think I that they because the sideline advertising last weekend actually had it included, and I think somebody they've done some market research yeah. discovered. Well, that. I mean, yeah, I'm more surprised that you're using a mini Hoover, well, the little desk. So really you bought good. a G Tech really one. How I was mean, it? I, did, it was all, I didn't buy it. That's that was okay. all my suppose. I picked it out. You didn't go for the, the kind of under the stairs. tax exile Tory donor um, British entrepreneur version. No, I'm GTech through and through. All right, very useful for you know because of two young kids. Mm. It was always a bit dirty. You don't want to get like the big right. Henry one out. So that's GTech, baby. That's GTech. Uh, can Palace avoid Brentford? Will tax? Brentford suck against Palace? Oh, yours is better. Yeah. Kiva, are you expecting anything from this game? Just to finish it off with a bit of proper preview mm-hmm. business? A draw. Oh, really? Because okay. since Brentford were promoted, all four of their meetings with Palace have been drawn. Well, that's uh, that's a telling stat, isn't it? Brentford are finding life without Ivan Tony not too difficult in terms of scoring goals, thanks to Mbwemo and, and Vissa, but Palace... I mean, you probably watched Monday's game. Well, you'd clearly watch Monday's game, Charlie. Uh, they, their rear guard stalwart defending that's is that their go-to now after the heady days of Roy's return last season yeah I mean the th- the the thing with Palace was I think Arsenal the reason they went to that ultra defensive approach at 10 men was kind of because well the way Palace beat you is in transition mm. so they were kind of like okay well what are you going to do against a low block and it was probably a bit of a role reversal because Hodgson obviously went into that game expecting that he'd be the one with the low block and they were for the first hour or so um, I mean Brentford as well they prefer to play on the counter they're, they're a very hard team to break down so it might be a little bit one of those games where both teams are happy for the other to have the ball I mean Brentford the, the, would just say the way they've adapted without Tony has been incredibly impressive especially as in their first season back in the Premier League he was out for a while and they really really struggled right. and so I think when he went out a lot of people assumed something similar would happen and who knows they may not be able to sustain it but um yeah, those two have come in 
have been sensational. I mean, Mboma was playing anyway, but um, yeah, yeah fair, fair. I mean, Thomas Frank is just fantastic, I think. Imagine then with Nico Gonzalez involved in that. That's, uh, well, heady times at the G-Tech. <laughs> Kiva, you're going to be on the walk-on, uh, a walk-on part you'll have in the uh, walk-on. Deary me, stop me. We'll, we'll finish the <laughs> podcast now, Lisa. But you're going to be in the Liverpool one that the Athletic do. When's that out next? Uh, so we do that, I think, every Wednesday. All right. And then we've got like a, a new episode, which is usually just straight after the game. Okay, so one straight which after is the game. at the match, which is basically usually James Pearce or whoever else, Andy Jones, I think it was at the weekend as well, just giving their sort of immediate thoughts. That kind of is good then, because then on the podcast we can get into mm. the deeper stuff, which we like to do. You can pull it, pull it apart what they've said. Right. So I think okay. it's out on Thursdays. We record on Wednesdays. All right, so it's out right now. It's out right now. Woo. You can get it wherever you listen. If you to like them. worry, yeah. <laughs> if you like worry, Charlie, your view down. from the lane, which is just uh, tearaway success. Yeah, I read that. So when's that out? Uh, we do that on Monday and Thursday. Right. Though this week we did a live one straight. Well, no, from outside a supermarket, outside Big Sano's, uh, and then we did it a little earlier this week on Wednesday. We've, right. we've also got a live show. Really? Yeah, no, you have, haven't you? So look out for that. In, uh, on November the, the 8th, I believe. November the 8th. Super. Duncan? Just this podcast. <laughs> I'm a loyalist. Well, nice. Mm. Nice. Uh, very good. Uh, thank you, uh, listener, for uh, sticking with us as well. I've hugely enjoyed today's look ahead to the delights of match day three of this Premier League season. Perhaps you have too. We'll be back Sunday night, Monday morning, to review what takes place. So join us for that. For now, though... Many, many thanks to Kiva, to Duncan, and to uh, Charlie and producer Charlie. And from all of us here, it's goodbye. You've been listening to The Totally Football Show, part of the Athletic Podcast Network. Discover bonus video content by searching for The Totally Football Show on YouTube and see the very latest subscription offers at theathletic.com slash totally. The Athletic.